HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. We've been making cheese in Wisconsin since before we were even a state, which may be one reason why we win so many awards for it. It's what happens when a whole state dreams in cheese. Find your next favorite cheese at wisconsincheese.com. Are you a business owner? This spring, amplify your business and support HRN's mission by becoming a business member. HRN is dedicated to spotlighting small businesses that keep our communities vibrant. With a $500 business membership, HRN can shine a light on your work and you can help sustain our mission to transform the way people think about food. As a thank you for this tax-deductible donation, your business will receive on-air mentions, social media posts, listings on our website, and more. You will also play an essential role in keeping nonprofit food radio on the air. Go to heritageradionetwork.org biz to become a business member today. That's heritageradionetwork.org B-I-Z. You are listening to Item 13, an African food podcast, and I'm your host, Yom Akuaku. This season, we are showcasing stories from the inaugural class of Changing Narratives Africa Fellowship, a highly selective program for African food entrepreneurs who are ready to scale their brands into global markets. The organization's vision is to see proudly African food and beverage brands on the shelves of all the major grocery chains and e-commerce sites in the world because they are high quality, healthy, and taste good. Here's this week's conversation. Welcome everyone to another edition of Item 13. We're continuing our series with Changing Narratives Africa Fellows, and I am honored this week to have in the guest chair, Ade Odunsi, who is, um, we will tell you a little bit more about herself. I won't go too much into this, but um, really interesting. And I've been looking into a lot more like beverages lately. So I'm excited to have this conversation with Ade about her um, Sorel business and what it's like to start and build a business in Nigeria specifically. So well, welcome to the show, Ade. Thank you so much, Yom. Thank you for this opportunity that you have given me. <laughs> yeah, and I, mean, I want to also say thank you to Changing Narratives Africa mm-hmm. for putting together this awesome fellowship through which I have this privilege of being interviewed by you. 
Thank you. That's it's well, it's your hard work that has brought you to this point. So um we are grateful to you for the work that you do um, in the food space. Um so I always like to start these conversations with having you share a little bit about like who you are so that people understand like your background and sort of how you ended up getting yourself in the food space, right? Um so if you can tell us, I mean, especially because we have um an international audience, so we have people who listen in Nigeria, then we also have Nigerians in the diaspora and other Africans, and then just internationally. So if you can give them a little bit of background about sort of where you grew up, a little bit of your childhood family, and then um, how you ended up in, in food here. Okay. So my full name is Adiologi Ojonsi, as um, you have already said, Yo. Um, I was born into a very large family very large African family. Uh, my father had many wives. He was an administrator and a politician, and my mother was a nurse and an entrepreneur. So I was born in the city of Ibadan because mm-hmm. that was the base of the Western Nigerian government then, where my father was uh, serving. And so I, my early childhood was in Ibadan. Um, I spent the early years of my life in boarding school because of the nature of the work of my dad. But originally, my parents are from Abeokuta in Ogun State, called the Gateway City. Abeokuta is where the famous Olumorok is situated. Oh, tell us about that. What is that? It's a rock. It's a, a, a tourist attraction in Ogun State, um, when there was war in those days, it was under the caves, that's why under those rocks, that the people hibernated. And now we have people coming there for pilgrimage. You know, you need to see how the rocks are positioned. I'm sure if you uh, search on Google, you'll read about this. And it's a tourist attraction now. Before, we have to climb all those rocks until you get to the peak. But right now, there is an elevator <laughs> that helps people to be able to get to the peak. Um, nice. <laughs> quickly. Yes. And you know, here you have all kinds of uh, traditional worshippers mm-hmm. that will show you a bit of the culture and the tradition. So my parents are both from Owu Kingdom. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, Abeokuta. I remember my grandmother was always priding herself. <laughs> she was an illiterate that this is the first place where educated people Mm. <laughs> the people were the first people that got uh, Western education, I even see. though she was not educated. <laughs> An interesting thing about my background is that um, I grew up in a large family. It was a large family that thought that we wouldn't have a matron. It was run like a boarding school system because we were not under the wives. We had somebody taking care of the children. And that fostered unity amongst us. Oh, and so even after so many years that my father had died, all of us are still together. Mm. The children, the grandchildren, great-grandchildren, we are all together. While my father uh, didn't differentiate between the boy and the girl in education, on my maternal side, my mother was the last born. There were uh, four girls and one, uh, one man. So the man 
was actually the one that made my mother go to school. All her sisters were illiterate. Because my maternal grandmother was a big textile merchant in the tie-dye business. She traded across um, Africa doing that. Oh, interesting. And uh, probably that's why my mom and myself, you know, and my sister got this entrepreneurial mm. um, spirits from. Yeah. So she was not, she was a girl. So girls weren't sent to school in our own family. So it was her brother who was a lawyer, you know, because she came after him that insisted that she must go to school and took her to train at Sheffield in England as a nurse. So she was the only educated girl amongst her parents' children. You know, where that's from, where I was calling me from in my father's house, everybody went to school. There was no distinction. Everyone uh, went to school. So from there, um, after my nursery school in uh, Ibadan, I moved to the family house in Abeokut and continued with my secondary school uh, education. Mm -hmm. Primary school education, I completed secondary school education. And then I went to what is called the higher school, which is the fifth, uh, sixth form. Oh, yes, I, think I, I remember that. Yeah. Remember <laughs> HSC. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I remember that. So then it was my final year in HSC that my father passed on. Mm -hmm. You know, and... Um, I was very close to him. Mm -hmm. I used to eat his leftover food. He yeah. into, <laughs> <laughs> into his room after he has finished eating. So before the cook will pack, I will eat the food. <laughs> and so that destabilized me a bit. But mm -hmm. then I went to school with some big boys. I was actually very young, even at the sixth form. And I saw them applying, you know, to schools in America. And yeah. so I was applying with them. I really didn't know what I was doing, <clears throat> but I was applying with them. And then I started to get <laughs> feedback and I was, I was admitted. Oh, nice, so, nice. <laughs> I just showed my mother. <laughs> I showed my <laughs> I showed my mother and then my father's house and everybody thought I was too young. But I had an uncle who was a professor at the University of Ife. Mm. But she has always been serious. So I have no problem with her going. And I think we should let her go. And that's why I found myself in the United States of America where I obtained my first degree, Bachelor's of Business Administration and Agribusiness. Wow. Uh, with honors. I probably was the first, if not the first in Nigeria, maybe the first woman in Nigeria. So I'm not the very first. And um, I went to that university and took that course, not because that's what I set out to do. Yeah. It was because, you know, we have this thing in higher school that is called combination. You know, um, chemistry, biology, mm -hmm. if you did chemistry, biology, physics, yes, 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 yes. If you do chemistry, biology, and economics, you go into like agri econ. But the university I went to were doing agribusiness. So I could take the degree either from the business college or from the College of Agri Agriculture. Mm -hmm. So I chose the business college and chose a, a minor in accounting. Oh, wow. And then <laughs> I went to Michigan State University. Uh, or did resource development there. And from there, I went to the uh, University of Reading in the United Kingdom, where oh. I had a <laughs> master's degree in um, agricultural extension. Uh, that was also when I got married. I moved mm. to the U UK because I was getting married. So while doing all this, uh, one thing that I always did was I made things with my hand. Because my mother also did the tie-dye business. 
In fact, before we, I, in our holiday time, before we traveled, I traveled abroad, we used to man her store. And it was from there I learned to make tie-dye. So while I was abroad, I made gifts for people. All my gifts were handmade, whether it's a staff or a tablecloth or some, you know, something like that. So I was always doing that. And so when it came time to come back to Nigeria, and okay, while I was still in the UK, I had my first child. And I remember that um, I bought a Reader's Digest guide to sewing, bought an El Elna. That takes me so much way back. I don't remember the last time I saw a Reader's Digest, actually. <laughs> yeah, but that's what I learned how to sew with mm-hmm. <laughs> and how to decorate with. And so I didn't know that all these were going to be things that would be useful for me in business. Mm-hmm. So when I came back to Nigeria, uh, of course, you have to do the youth service, yes, which yes. I was doing. I did that at the uh, Greek bank then, you know, NACD was called. Um, it was the first place I encountered this uh, women issue. A woman cannot work here. I cannot work with a woman. It was very strange to me, but the manager told me when I took my letter to him to serve, he said, woman, I don't want a woman. And I, I, yes. I didn't take that kindly. But I I told him he has no choice because <laughs> the letter is written to his institution, not to him. And I was going to work there. And I did. <laughs> I did. And at the end, actually, he threw a party for me after my service. Uh-huh. Uh, felt I should. <laughs> and, you know, these things are things that actually added to what I'm doing now. Because what I had to do then as the youth mm-hmm. couple was actually going to some uh, places, you know, remote legal states mm-hmm. to appraise the project of farmers that want to borrow money from that bank. Oh, I see. And so I was writing, yes, I was writing feasibility reports for them, you know, and I was doing much more than the youth couple should do because I normally we get home sometimes at six o'clock. So from then, I, during the youth uh, service, I was uh, making my clothes. And all so of from, from what you learned, yeah. <laughs> yes. I was making my clothes and the people were always commenting, you are so different. How did you? And I said, I make it. Then they would say, make for me. Mm-hmm. So I started to do that. When I couldn't have the time to make by myself, I went to look for tailors. I would make the fabric and give it to tailors and give it to them. Oh, wow. Definitely that entrepreneurial. That was how it started. Then um, I got a big break. The uh, Lagos Television were having what they call the family wear exhibition, the first of its kind. And they advertised, I saw it on television. They were selling their boots. But I saw the price of the boots. I couldn't afford it. And I look, I'm a youth copper. Shouldn't they do something for me? So I went <laughs> to the GM. <laughs> and I said, GM, I'm a youth copper. Look at what I'm wearing. I've been making this and I've been selling it. If you will give me a chance by not allowing me to pay, you know, I would be able to bring th- things to sell. And of course, he agreed. And in three days, we were sold out. How did I get the money to buy the materials? Where I was doing youth service, I was being paid. You, um, then the youth service itself was paying me money. So all those were in the savings account because I was I was um, keeping myself from the money of the business I was doing. The tie dye I was making for people. Yeah. 
Okay. So after I sold that in three days, I even though I had already lost in my mind that I wanted my children to grow up a bit before I go to paid employment, which was the reason I did not agree to work with the bank because I already saw how it would take my time. I've been looking for something that I can do in the meantime until my children at least maybe they are six years old. So when I saw this opportunity now that people really wanted what I was making, my mother's old shop that she had given up because now she was a lot older, I went there to the caretaker and I said, can I take over this shop? He said, yes, you can. We have actually kept it all this while because your mother was one of the first people that took this shop and we didn't want to take it away from her, you know? So that was how I paid all the back rent yeah. and, <laughs> and I started. <laughs> so my first business was a company called Culture Club Designs Limited. And yes. what we were doing, yes, what we were doing, we were making tie-dye. We are making clothes in sizes, just like you will find in a shop in mm-hmm. the USA or UK, in different sizes. And corporate people will come and they will pick their clothes and go away. Nice. You know, so, so they were avoiding the, because um, for those who are listening who may not even be familiar, like in, at least growing up, I, I don't know how, how much, ready to wear was not um, a oh. concept. Like even as a child, like we would go to a tailor um, and they would make, you know, our clothes to fit and like working with it. <laughs> Working with a tailor is a whole process. It was a totally different concept. Yeah. I've not seen anything like it before. And I was selling to a lot of the top people Mm -hmm. in the bars and all that. So it was a good business. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. There's a reason when you think of Wisconsin, you think cheese. Cheese is a huge part of Wisconsin's history and future. In Wisconsin, the state of cheese, the tradition of cheesemaking excellence began 180 years ago, before Wisconsin was recognized as a state. Immigrants traveled to settle in this lush, green hills of Wisconsin, bringing their cheesemaking traditions with them. These storied skills combined with the freshest milk available created a cheesemaking culture that is uniquely Wisconsin. Wisconsin's 1,200 cheesemakers, many of whom are third and fourth generation, continue to pass on old-world traditions while adopting modern innovations in cheesemaking craftsmanship. Find your next favorite cheese at wisconsincheese.com. Hey everyone, I'm Jesse Sparks, host of the new podcast, The One Recipe, from the team behind The Splendid Table. This pod is all about that one recipe that you lean on. The one you share with friends, the one you make when you need a little love, and the one you know will work every single time. Every week, I talk with chefs and gifted cooks from all over the world about their one and the story behind it. We're here to help you build your kitchen library one dish at a time. Follow the one recipe wherever you get your podcasts. So I was doing that. And after a while, because we're getting orders for furnishing items and all that, I approached a company, the Nigerian Textile Mill. Incidentally, my mom had worked there as the head of their clinic. So I went there and I said what I wanted. And they gave me two looms to weave the kind of fabric I wanted. Because what we were doing was totally different. So they were, we had two looms that were weaving our base fabric. 
they will masterize it for me exactly how I wanted it. And then I will put prints on it to use for furnishing. And some of the embassies at that time we were furnishing their apartments. And they would call me again after two or three years. I would think, I just did this not too long ago. They say, well, mm-hmm. the, person, the person has left and they have the first option to buy their furniture. Mm-hmm. So they always, they always took it. It mm-hmm. was so sad when I had to stop that business because that factory was sold. Where oh, I see. Fabric, yeah, it was sold. And I was buying fabric, made in China fabric from the market. Mm-hmm. It really wasn't what I wanted yeah. to um, but while doing that, I'd already started my farming business because that was actually my profession. Oh, that's so right, because you went to school for agri business. Yeah. Yes. So the Lagos State government was looking for graduate farmers mm-hmm. that they were going to support to start farming. And so we went for interview. They were actually looking for Lagosians, and I am not a Lagosian. <laughs> my state is, na- is, is the neighboring state. My husband also is from Ogun State. He's an Ejebu man. And we were, going, we were told to go to interview after the exam at the local government where they can trace our origin. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I did the check and when they interviewed me, I told them exactly where I came from. I live in Lagos. My mother has lived in Lagos all this year, but I'm from Ogun State. But a week later, I was told that because I got highest, that oh, I nice, <laughs> I started farming a mechanized farming in 1986. Oh, wow. Fully mechanized farm. This is because the government program gave you the farming or they also gave you the land and the equipment. They gave us the land. Mm-hmm. They also gave us all the equipment. Oh, nice. For a small fee. And the fee was very, very minimal. I see. Okay. So, yeah. So that was how I started my journey into farming. I see. I was, yeah, and I was producing this. Uh, at one point, I was selling maize to Guinness because the maize was grown on the price exactly. So, um, having said that, I was doing these two businesses together, the Culture Club Design yeah. At a point, I think I have about 17 workers on that. Oh my and we actually came to the United States for exhibition at the Javis Center. Wow. To the United Kingdom, yes. So <laughs> I always like to make things. I like to use my hands. Yeah. I like to be creative in what I do. Yeah. And so while we are on this farm, mm-hmm. even though the farm was doing very well, we were not seeing much profit. Reason being, there was a lot of pilfering on the farm because mm-hmm. it was far away from where I live. And also, it has not developed. You could not put a farm manager to be there. Yeah. You know, so I looked at it. I was using money from culture club to service the farm. Mm. And the farm was not making returns. The only aspect that was making returns was the one acre fully irrigated vegetable farm. Mm. That brought great returns. And it's from then I, uh, I developed the interest of growing herbs and spices because I saw the potential. Uh, that that one will bring. Yeah, so, and I think I read, or uh, maybe that's what you're going to say. I think I read that no, no, no. your family too, like you grew up um, with using sort of this different um, 
ever make sure, and, and we did too, like, we yes. back home, I remember, yes. like, yes. instead of taking medicine, I remember my grandma, even my mom, would yes. um, make yes. some different <laughs> conditions. That was, that was a, that, that happened all the time, especially with the older wife. Yes. That were not so educated. That's what they knew. Mm-hmm. So on the weekend, my father will bring um, Coca-Cola, Sprite, and all those with having biscuits and gala. <laughs> so when we finish eating, there's the particular one of the wives who say, yes, you ate medemed yesterday. Now is the time to detoxify yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just <laughs> like, We were not ill as children. We were mm-hmm. not ill. Apart from, the, apart from the common malaria, so yeah, yeah. I already knew that these things um, do, do do work. So from then on, you know, I had to leave the farm because it was really losing money and I couldn't continue like that. And then I looked at what else can I do? In the meantime, I was developing my professional career in the area of facilitation and training. Uh, oh my goodness, wow. So, <laughs> I see, busy woman, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, all these things are going together. Yeah. Wow. What it did for me, the training, especially the one I started with the Salasa Lobo organization, becoming their business counselor uh, on their model, generate your business idea, start your business, improve your business, and grow your business, expand your business. What this was doing, they trained me to be a master trainer. But what I do first is that I train myself in my business in any field that is being given to me. And I oh, train nice, myself. Yeah. So I think that actually helped me to begin to develop the business in a way that the business can grow. Yeah, so I was doing facilitation. Mm. I was also facilitating for some of the reputable business schools in Lagos. So I was always you know, looking at the trend and continuing with what the trend was. So an opportunity came and I was actually doing also uh, non-governmental work. I was doing volunteering work. (laughs) (laughs) And through that volunteering work, which I was never paid for, and Mm. I went all over the Northern States, I got an Israeli scholarship. Oh, wow. Yes. Study agribusiness for rural and peri-urban development. Interesting. So you were, I, were you went to Israel? Were you, did you go to Israel then? Or? No, I did. I went to Israel. Oh, I, wow. I went to Israel. Yes, I did. I went to that school, was treated like a very special guest. <laughs> <laughs> In the whole of the class, I was the only entrepreneur. Every other person mm. was sponsored by government. <laughs> mm. So um, when it came to time to do our project, they didn't have a business idea. <laughs> I was the one that had a business idea, mm-hmm. and they had a business idea about making drinks out of what we call hibiscus, which is called Zobo in Nigeria. Yeah. Okay, I developed interest in it because I was tired of all the carbohydrate drinks mm-hmm. and the, the danger to the health of my fast growing children and their teens yeah. at that time, and was looking for alternatives. So when I got to Israel, we were told to do a project in my own group, I was the team lead. And I, they were looking at what they would do. I said, well, I have a project. Mm-hmm. And that's why I told them. And frankly speaking, that's what we, that's what we worked on. That's what we presented to the government. Yeah. And that is what won us best team award. Oh, nice. So, <laughs> when I came back to Nigeria, I knew that I had 
a business. Yeah. We can so, say that many opportunities came along. Yeah. Because when I came, um, I understand that there's a business incubation center in Lagos called CIC. And they were giving out forms for people who would want to use the place to start their business. Mm -hmm. I went for the interview and um, yeah, fortunate to be given a place there. Yeah. But I had where to start my business from. That business, I registered then as Rehoboth Adwai Light Ventures. Mm -hmm. And I started that Zobo drink, which is called Sorelu. Mm -hmm. That's where I first started to make it. I started making it at home, giving it to my children mm -hmm. and their friends that come. They would taste it, tell me how nice it was. I take them to these business centers. They were very popular in Lagos at those yeah. times. They would have like, you know, we don't we didn't have internet like this, only some centers that had them. <laughs> yeah. Young, young people, sometimes there'll be hundreds there. I go to give them the drink for free to just to see, mm -hmm. to do my market research and sampling. And when I knew that I had what people wanted, I started to make it in that factory. First drawback, I wanted to register it with NAVDA. And I got a pushback. What is, what is, is what is NAPDAC for those who are... It's the National Agency for Food and Drug Administration, okay. something like the FDA. Yeah, so it's like the FDA for yeah. the U.S. Yes. Okay. They, they, they regulate mm -hmm. uh, food and drug sector. So they told me it couldn't be done. They've been told that the, the um, hibiscus is so versatile, it can be bottled, you know, therefore they cannot register me. Of course, I wasn't going to take that because it's been done in other parts of the world that I have seen. So yeah. I <laughs> wrote to the Manufacturers Association of Nigeria to tell them to decommit. And I wrote to the then DG of the agency. So I got a call back from the agency and they said I should bring, do I have evidence? I said, yes, nine months to work that I was labeling and putting somewhere. And they said I should come in. And I went. And the officer that I saw, he asked me several questions and he told me, don't worry. Everything we are worried about, we have already conquered it. And so they came mm. for inspection and I became the first double drink to be certified. Oh I my God. I feel like you brought in so many. I mean, I even think about it now, like just from a... Like being a woman, woman in the industry already, first of all, like that, breaking that barrier and, and you yes, know, creating the path for generations to come. Yes, thank you, thank you. <laughs> it had to be done. Otherwise, yeah. somebody that didn't know enough would tell me, and I think the exposure of also having studied abroad yeah. and being able to search and see what they are doing in other countries gave me the confidence that I could do it. Yes. Yeah. And, um, you know, of course, we've been refining the process since then. And um, so you could say that at, at that time, the federal government of Nigeria banned importation of juices to Nigeria. Oh. <laughs> so you can see opportunity right. between federalism now. <laughs> <laughs> so, the very definition of, yeah, opportunity preparation yes. for sure. So we began and then we started to add other flavors. Yeah, so tell us about the, the product line. Like, what are the different flavors you have today? Because just before we joined, um, <laughs> I opened the, the file that you sent me and I'm like, oh, wow, it's like all the different 
from Rehoboth Agualite Ventures, we uh, moved to Sorello Food and Beverage Company Limited. When we started to look at exports and started to redefine ourselves, we are processors of African herbs and spices into herbal infusions and vegetable juices. What we were doing before were mainly vegetable juices. But from the background that I've told you that I have about what the herbs and spices of Africa can do to keep us wealthy, you know, we, we look at ourselves and we say we want to transform people to the best versions of themselves through our innovative and crafted infusions. So it is our blend that makes us unique. Not because we are doing a hibiscus tea or a mm -hmm. green tea. It is a combination, the combination of what we put yeah. together. That, that's what standards out. And this combination addresses certain issues about the health. And the feedback from our customers has been uh, fantastic. We have our own uh, farms. We source our products ethically. We have farmers who grow for us. And we have our own full-fledged factory. Uh, where we operate from, we have uh, FDA registration, we have HACCP certification already, and uh, we start exporting uh, in, a, you know, in a little way. And with the Changing Narratives Africa program, uh, we now know that the world is at our feet. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so let's talk about that. How did you find out about the Changing Narratives Africa program? Well, I'm on a different um, entrepreneur's program. Mm -hmm. And so I think my email is visible today. <laughs> also, I also am in network. I'm somebody mm -hmm. in network. Because I grew up among a lot of children. I don't mm -hmm. want to mention the number. I don't want to make you afraid. <laughs> my father's children were many. Mm -hmm. All our uncle's children lived with us. Yeah. We used to have on our holiday football matches. <laughs> and we, we have two teams and we have the, the reserve team. <laughs> for Just by nature of how, how many you were. Yeah. How many? But you know, the children of the neighborhood also come to us. Yeah. <laughs> With the neighborhood, we are all together. We divide, my father's children divide ourselves, then all the neighbors divide themselves into ourselves. And it was a very, very wonderful childhood. And that's why up to now, I like to do things that connect. I like mm -hmm. to do things of community, you know, team, and things that bring people together because that's how I grew up. And I really value the experience, uh, you know. I value yeah, that's great. So what has been, what has so been your experience? How, that's how I now got, that's how um, I just kept seeing things. Apply for this, apply for that. Yeah. And that. So I said, okay, let me try. You know, um, so I tried. I know that many people will be applying for the same thing, but I just tried to do my bit. <laughs> and then from one selection level to another selection level, to our pitching, we got good coaching, you know, from them. Mm -hmm. They were very, very supportive. They were as interested in us succeeding, you know, yeah. and because our success is actually their success. And we went, we, we did not pay anything. You know, I'm not one of those who will say the thing costs me nothing. It's for free. It is free to me, but somebody pays the price. 
Yes. <laughs> <laughs> do put it together. Yes. Those who are looking actually for connections, yeah. like this one that mm-hmm. is giving us from this pod, uh, uh, podcast, because I wouldn't have known about you if it was not for mm-hmm. them, you know. So the, it, it was um, it was an eye opener. The quality of the um, facilitators, trainers, mm-hmm. you know, mentors that they have brought our way, you know. And one of the things that um, happened to me when I went to the agency yeah. that regulates uh, the devil, I had I actually had a dream. And in that dream, I'd seen myself um, with all these pipes um, going in the ceiling. And when I woke up, I said, what is this? Am I Coca-Cola? <laughs> and one of the ladies there, when I went, he told me that this thing cannot be done. He still repeated it. Mm. He said, because for three years, in, in, she was in the lab, Coca-Cola was trying to do something different, similar, but they were not able to do it. I collected that I had that dream experience. I told her, mm. this is not about technology, ma'am. It's about technique. And I have got the technique. Yeah. You know? And mm-hmm. well, they came to do the inspection and that, you know, those stuff. So, changing narrative, Africa has actually brought a positive narrative to our mm-hmm. business. Mm-hmm. A very positive narrative. Wonderful people. I've got to uh, meet several wonderful people there. Yeah. Got gifts of um, someone that I was saying. I said, okay, maybe Coca-Cola will buy me up <laughs> to a some point. Yeah. And then they actually brought this gentleman, you know, uh, to come and speak to us. Mm-hmm. Told us about how Coca-Cola bought his business. I say, okay, I'm not too far away. And this is a show. It's not Coca-Cola led another person. Yeah. And the reason really now is that with all my children are interested in the business. Mm-hmm. They have their own profession, they are doing yeah. what they are doing, but they are my guinea pigs. <laughs> they let me know what is current. Mm-hmm. They let me know when I'm not doing things correctly. Yeah. They let me know. And then this is the legacy. It's their legacy they're yeah. telling me. Mm-hmm. They would like the business to be professionally run. Yeah. They are looking at the business becoming a mega business in the future that is not run by our family. It's an umbrella for men, mm-hmm. many people to come and gain experience, to come and uh, work, to be proud that Nigeria can have a global or global product. Yes, you know that they are part of. Absolutely, yeah. So it's yeah. not this. Yes, it's a, yeah. it's a breathing place. We train a lot of young people. They come with their, you know, school starts. You have to pass to come and work <laughs> because you have to be looking forward. Yeah. Because maximum time is two years. After two years, it's either you have moved forward to another level or mm-hmm. you have to leave. And we support them in doing that. If we needed to help them to do evening lesson, release them early, or help them to pay, we would do that. And when they are on holidays, they still will come back to do the business. <laughs> well, that's that's just an amazing legacy you're building all around. I'm just I'm in awe of like everything you've done and, and what I know this business will do, especially with now with your um, involvement with um, changing natives Africa. So um, so as you think about that, like that's a good segue. As you think about your business now, like the stage where you're at, you know, with working with training writers, Africa, and just everything you've been able to do so far. What's your big vision for the business going forward? Like, let's say, you know, 10, 15 years from now, like, where do you, well, you've kind of said that you want to go back to but 
For the business, thank you for saying yes. I'm not in that business. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm sure a CEO will have taken over that business. Mm-hmm. I can help be helping them with the formulation. Yeah. I set a business that um, is large enough, has its own uh, plantation, mm-hmm. has um, partnerships all around the world. Mm-hmm. Aha. And nice. uh, we are open for investors, I didn't, we don't want it to be that we own the business. The family doesn't want to own the business. Mm, yeah, we just yeah. want a business that keeps going on. Yeah. So that's in 100 years, if you can be hearing our story like a Coca-Cola yeah. story, <laughs> like a McDonald's. Like a McDonald's. Absolutely, yes. So we are actually looking for people that will come and work and buy shares also mm, in the business. Nice. So okay. that they are not just employees. Yes. Yeah, so aside from that, I do some other things, Um, you know, like I like to pioneer things. Yeah. Um, We have this uh, group, new group, just one year going called Lady Rancher. (laughs) Oh, Uh, I see. The first female ranching group. Oh, wow. Um, this is different from the business that I started. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is a, 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 an aggregation of people that I've known mm-hmm. for some time. And then when the issue of headsmen and whatever, and we're looking oh, at how, yeah. how can we do, and they say, well, we can start. So we decided. First, we did a seminar, got people that need to talk to us. After I asked people, who wants to do something about this? Yeah. And it was 25 people. Oh, wow. And so the investment is not for me alone. It's for yeah. the joint you know, investment. Um, and yeah, we see, we are, we are moving forward. <laughs> nice, nice. Very nice. Um, so for, for those who are listening who either want to patronize the business, want to invest, want to contact you, where can they find you um, online, on social media? Um, okay. Yeah. Um, our Instagram handle is at Sorelloju. Okay. Our then, website, mm-hmm. uh, www.sorellofood.com. Sorello is spelled S-O-R-E-L-L-O. Sorello.com. Great, amazing. And then I will also share the link um, to both of those in, in the show notes and then also when we share on social so that people can easily click and yeah. get to the links and can reach out to, to you and the team and the company as needed. Um, great. So we're almost done. Um, just the last yeah. couple of questions, uh, rapid fire fun questions. So, <laughs> so um, <laughs> the, the, the product, the herbal teas that we make, mm-hmm. we make them from hibiscus, okay. oh, from ginger, mm-hmm. you know, like our the tropical brew. Yeah. Sorel and ginger is our best seller. It's hibiscus, ginger, and cloves. And mm. everyone that has tasted this has sent us a review. Nice. And are you only available in um, Nigeria right now? No, there are available in the United States and in Canada where we have distributors. Okay. But I'm hoping that before the 
middle of the year, some stores in the US will be carrying them. Nice. Okay. Yeah. And they can also order have... online. We can ship anywhere in the world. Okay. <laughs> Great. This is this is part of you know uh, the globalization connection. Um, Great. Okay. So let's wrap up now uh, with our um, fun rapid fire questions. The first one is um, if you could live on one dish for the rest of your life, what, what would it be? If I could do what? If you could live on one dish for the rest of your life, one meal on the rest of your life, what would, what would it be? One meal. Yes, one meal. I, I thank people for my. Um, <laughs> States may not like it, but <laughs> I would take a decaico any. Oh yeah, <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, and then the last, I guess the the, the second question, second last question is um, when when you are feeling uh, maybe you've already answered this question. Should I ask you this? Hmm. Let me change the question. Let <laughs> me ask you. Um, if you could, if you could send um, a note to, hmm, to your future self, I'm going to change to your future self. What what would it be? What would you tell your future self? I would tell my uh, future self, right from the onset, mm -hmm. work smart, mm -hmm. work smart from the onset. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what you've done, right? And that's how for well, you. I think I've worked. I've worked hard in some in some mm, part at the beginning yeah. before I learned how to work smart. That's fair. Yeah. So we're we're smart from the onset. Okay. <laughs> Got it. Well, <laughs> well, it's been such a pleasure to chat with you, Ade. Like I didn't know too much about your story. Yeah, this is inspiring for. Uh, I was going to say for a young woman, I'm not that yet, <laughs> but <laughs> um, it's just inspiring to hear your story and the barriers you've overcome to do the things that um, you're doing in, in the food space and beyond. And so, like I said, I'll be sharing, we'll be obviously sharing this story and then also links to the business and so that people can follow and support. Um, oh, thank you so yeah, much. Yeah, and then we'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> you've amazing work. Oh, thank you. Amazing. <laughs> thank work. you so much. Proud of you. Oh, thank, thank you. you. I appreciate that. Thank you for listening to Item 13, an African food podcast. If you like the show, please subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite podcast app. To keep up to date, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Item 13 Podcast. Item 13 is powered by Simplecast. Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is a non-profit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please 
join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.